Rick Madison, Rick and Friends. Welcome to the show, and uh, hey, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, today we have a fellow who's, uh, well, his past career is something we're going to delve into, but uh, right now he's Executive Director of the Downtown Cologne Association, Mark Burley. Welcome. Thank you. I, I'm here again because I'm trying to catch up with Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you could uh, if you could lean into the mic as much as that guy, I think we all need some more uh-huh. medication. But anyway, no, we love Jeff. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a bit about uh, some things that are going on downtown, but okay. also as well, uh, you had a past as a program director in the radio industry, and you know mm-hmm. the radio landscape is changing. So I want to mm-hmm. ask you a few questions about that. But let's talk a bit about some uh, some good stuff going around around downtown. Uh, how was Christmas? How was the the light up and and Christmas? And were the shops busy? Like how how did that go? Yeah, it, you know the week leading up to Christmas, it was like everywhere else. It was really cold, so the amount of foot traffic was maybe down a bit. We did our winter street market and light up on the first Saturday of December on Water Street in front of. Uh, City Hall. It was the biggest one we've ever done. We had more vendors there than we've ever had. Uh, Santa Claus was there again. We had uh, always one of my favorites, the Zamboni Brothers, up on stage right before we lit the tree. Uh, We did light the tree earlier this year so that instead of doing it after the market closes, we felt we should do it and give the market a chance to take advantage of all the people who just come for the light up. And it was a great success. We lit the tree at about quarter to five. Uh, Mayor Dice was there along with Loyal Wooldridge and Rick Weber. They lit the tree with Santa. And that was just before five. And then the masses went right down Water Street. It was busy. So it was a big success. Uh, We had a, a, a good time. It's great to see people out again walking around, moving around, not, not, in, not being afraid to touch shoulders in a busy place as they move through life. Seems that life is finally back to normal. Because really last year was only, what, nine months. Yeah. yeah so so it's, it's good to see because, I mean, uh, and, you're, and you're right, I think the, the cold weather snap just before Christmas did, you know, a lot of merchants no favors. I, I talked to uh, a few of them and they said that, yeah, we had a few orders that kind of canceled because people just didn't feel like brave in the cold, and, and that was unfortunate. But hopefully, you know, Boxing Week stuff, and, and that takes over then. Yeah, you know, that's. Uh, it seems to me Boxing Week starts on the 15th of December if it you does. go by any of the mass media advertising that we all consume. So, you know, um, I think, you know, last year, uh, 2022, was pretty a darn good year to come out of what we were in prior to that. Um, this time last year, we were wearing masks and mm-hmm. there were restrictions and all that kind of stuff. And we were only the first wave of whatever strain of the virus was around yeah. at that time. So uh, we hit the ground running when Bernard was closed down for Meet Me on Bernard and didn't seem to stop until after we got through Winter Street Market. So it was a busy year. And, and I think people, I would say more people are traveling now, which means that uh, there's there's less people around, you know, people with, with mm-hmm. deep pockets that, uh, you know, might be it around last year, like around that time kind of thing. Well, it also, you know, that very point affected the whole city and the whole tourism area in uh, the summertime because locals who, for the previous two years, had been stuck 
we'd all been stuck. You know, we had that 20-mile or 20-kilometer radius that we traveled within. You listen to that stuff. They're yeah. good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but now everybody left. Like not everybody, but a, a significant portion of the local population left and with the tourism in. So it felt a little bit slower in the summertime, mm -hmm. but I think that's all right. Now, a question for you, and, and this is something that, uh, it, you know, it, it's problematic across uh, different communities. In the mall, you have set hours because if you want to be a tenant, you have to be open those hours. Correct. Um, downtown Kelowna does... A masterful job of, of attracting people downtown and you have all these people but then the odd comment on the old interweb is that hey I went up to my favorite retailer and I shook the door and they weren't open mm -hmm. that that's got to be a little bit irritating after a while you bring these people down you are asking these merchants to stay open a little bit later but they don't know like and, and again, I don't know their own cir circumstances. I don't know how the, the people, there's a labor shortage. I know all that stuff. But that that would still bug me. I mean, you're bringing all these people downtown, and some of them don't want to be open for that. Well, it's even more profound now, I think. You mentioned labor shortage, which I have issues with trying to keep my on-call and clean team fully staffed. But it's also... Um, Revenues over the last couple of years haven't been that great. So even if they can hire, maybe they can't. There's lots of reasons. And there's also some businesses that that's it. You know, they want to be open from 10 till 6 and that's it. Close on Mondays. And with being on a outside location, bricks and mortar, like a downtown, uh, they can do that because there are no regulations. Years ago, in the 80s, our family had family businesses in a mall in Kitchener, Ontario. And yeah, that's the way it was. And that's back in the day when Sunday shopping, you had to get a permit to do. Right. So they would get a permit for a sidewalk sale weekend, for example, and we get a notice that we had to be open and you had to be or you risk, you know, fines and that kind of thing. So it's two different worlds. And I imagine, you know, yeah, that's aggravating, but they're also it also speaks to how there's two different downtowns uh, at any given day of the week and that would be the busy daytime downtown that not only includes the retail sector and the service sector but we have offices downtown lawyers accountants uh who are you know have their business downtown and they're out moving around and they're the ones who are visiting the businesses downtown and you know that was the one thing the pandemic did to us right because nobody was in their offices so now the coffee shops are slower right. the restaurants are slower so now we're back to that so that's the one downtown. Then there's the evening downtown or the weekend downtown where the restaurants and bars are busy, and that's where they're making their hay. So, you know, you would hope that there's some kind of balance there. And, uh, and as we grow downtown, as more people actually live downtown, I think that uh, people or businesses closing at 6 might change because they might find that if they stay open till 7 or 8 or even 9, on Thursdays and Fridays that that's, you know, a viable thing for them to do. Because it's not cheap to keep a business open an extra couple of hours even. Well, and it does need to be financially viable, and I get Correct. all that. Um, so let's talk a bit about that densification, um, whether or not that's a real word or one we just made up by council, I'm not sure. but It's like sports broadcasters who use the word physicality <laughs> ad nauseum. <laughs> 
So we have One Water, we have the new campus downtown, mm-hmm. um, and we have Brooklyn, uh, the, the Brooklyn building coming up. Now, all those people, and, and this is a question more for you, because you see, I, I mean, the downtown area gives you a lot of different perspectives and everything else. Do Does a new tower fundamentally add like 5%, 10% to, 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 to certain retailers' bottom line because of... You know those people. I would assume live and shop in the same kind of area. Is that is that true? Is that something I just made up? <laughs> yeah, something you made up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I do all the time. <clears throat> but the theory is there uh, to speak to that. If you go by One Water right now in Ellis Park, that's on the corner. So if you're going to the train station pub or Central for something to eat, you're going to notice especially if you're on Water Street and you come around that curve and you hit Sunset, which is where all the uh, waterscapes is and the dolphins on. So uh, you come around there, you notice restaurants, coffee shop, dentist, cruise wear as you go around the corner on, on Ellis. Right. So they, and now... Across the road in the bottom of Ellis Park, we have California Closets and a Thai restaurant opening. And just up the street is BNA and Hi-Fi Attic and Chai Baba Tea and Jay's Cafe. So all of those stores in that area now become the central hub for those people who are living not only in One Water, but in the building next to it and Waterscapes and the Dolphins. So now you kind of get an urban center within an urban center. Mm. because maybe once in a while they're going to move a little bit further and go up to a Bernard and, you know, scope out the restaurants and the stores up there. But with these buildings coming up, like Brooklyn has been got populated at the end of May, they're building the new office tower there and another residential behind it. You have Ella that just opened and Water Street by the park, which is a huge... 40 foot deep hole in the ground right now they're just sinking the piers right now um that will serve that other area Mm. so i think what's happening now is we're starting to see like i see in the mornings uh you know 8 30 a little bit before that you start to see the cars pulling out of around brooklyn or ella Right. Okay. you know so and if you live at ella and you want to go out for breakfast you can go to the bow you can go up the street to Sunny's or you can go downstairs to OEB. If you want to go out for lunch, there's stuff across the street, there's stuff on Bernard. And now that 400 block of Bernard, which had that one building that was barricaded up and locked up yeah. forever, mm-hmm. has been redone by a great group whose owner is out of Vernon. Uh, it has another high-end running shoe store in there, has an anytime fitness, and La Vila Pizzeria. So it's changing at a, actually a really nice pace. It's not going really fast. And now we start to see more traffic and foot traffic on the weekends, particularly in those each of those areas. I walked by uh, that anytime fitness the other day, and I was struck by, like, it boom. All of a sudden, it was packed, and, and there's people using it. I think I was walking by at, like, 8 o'clock at night, and there was... Well, People, it is January. And it is any time. <laughs> any time fitness. No, I was I was curious about that. And I think if if I had my um my choice, if I was living downtown, I don't, but if I was living downtown, I you know, you don't want to use your car that often, so you'd probably just want to walk around and, and figure out the amenities, you know, lunch and 
brunch and bars and all that kind of stuff that and goes with where that. you can go buy a pair of shoes where you can go get your buy a new shirt sweater whatever if you need it um takeout food you know that becomes a, a part of the thing and you know there's a huge culture of going out for coffee mm-hmm. so you know you have to discover all of those places and you know the district mall too it's growing quietly nicely it has a great food court you know pulp fiction has a second location in there you have another fitness place around the corner and optimized fitness tommy guns i mean it's quite interesting if you actually start to move around and walk around and see what is downtown in Kelowna. well mr fisher i think had a had a vision for that which was a very high-end shop boutique kind of feel to it mm-hmm. and i think you know he he has the resources to to wait for the right retailers to come along i think that's that's his thing. Yeah, and you know he has a pretty good anchor in McDermott's, which has you know street facing uh, where people can see that it's there, and it's part of the mall. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk a bit about. Uh, I want to dive into the radio landscape thing for just a second. Um, you and I have a radio past. Some might even say we have a radio future, but uh, we <laughs> highly doubt that. <laughs> um, but uh, tell me what, what's occurred at the CRTC, uh, because as an ex-program director, you spent a lot of years in radio, so I know you keep in tune, there I just did that, uh, with, with the industry. And, and so tell me some of the things that have changed, because, I mean, you do have some tenants downtown, of course, your, mm-hmm. your ex-employer, which yeah. is Bell Media. Um, there might be some changes afoot. So let's, as John Thompson used to say, rumors and things, hey? Eh? Yeah, right. <laughs> why don't we uh, why don't we talk about rumors and things with the radio landscape? Well, I think what you have to do before you talk about rumors and things is talk about what happened, like what was allowed previous to when the change came out in December and what's allowed now. So previous to, and it happened back in the 90s, late 90s, about 98, there was a complete radio review done that changed ownership rules. And that's when radio went from, having to, uh, the Canadian content regulation was 30% all week, 25% between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and 30% all day and all week. So, uh, in other words, that's how many, that's the percentage of songs that you played in any given week between 6 a.m. and midnight, seven days a week, had to be Canadian, designated by the MAPLE system, M-A-P-L. music, artist, publisher, lyrics uh, that have to be Canadian. So when the change came in the late 90s, it also allowed ownership rule changes. And in that, and as the industry said to pay for that, that Canadian content went up to 35% right across the board. And some newer stations that have gone online or on the air since then actually have 40%. We have a couple of those in town that were licensed back, you know, you know 1039, um, I think K96 is there, and there's one other. So um, I know the lake does too. So that's 103.9. I'm sorry, I'm thinking out loud here as I work my way through this. So anyway, to pay 35%, but out of that came... It used to be, prior to that, that any one owner, whether it's a big company or an individual like you or me or Nick Frost when he was an owner, could own one AM and one FM. 
So that changed with those regulations in the 90s, and up until this December, that they were always that way. 35% Canadian content, and now, as of the 90s, you could own up to three stations, two on any band, in a medium or small market. In a major market, you could own two of each. So this was classified as a small slash medium market, so an owner could own two FMs and an AM, or two AMs and an FM. Uh, an example is Bell. Two FMs in Move and Virgin, and an AM with AM 1150. If you go over to Stingray, they own K96 and Country 100.7. Patterson has the Beach and the Lizard. And then the lone player in that is the, uh, the Lake, 103.9. So that's the way things stayed. And as the years went by and what radio went through was a right sizing since the mid from 2005 on where a lot of AMs went off the air because they were flipped to FM because of fidelity and that kind of thing. So now when this rule came through, you can still own three stations, but they can be on any band. Oh, my. So now <laughs> any one of our owners here can own three FMs or three AMs if they choose to do so. And that's the same everywhere. And, and as the ex-employer program director of, of Bell, you would have been involved in those discussions. Would, would AM 1150 flip to FM? Is it more viable that way as a, as a station? It could. It might stay the way it is because AM 1150... Um, is really the only lone news voice on the air in radio in the city. So it'd be sad to lose that, unless it flipped to FM and it was still news talk. Yeah, that would be an interesting one too, yeah. A news talk is extremely expensive to operate because it's, you know, people heavy. Content, yeah. content. Yeah. Well, the amount of research I do for this show, Mark, I mean. Well, I know it, you've been working on this for two weeks, right? I mean... Tirelessly. Um, so that being said, so we might we might get a flip on AM eleven fifty. The other one is uh, the lake is a, a standalone. I know Paul uh, mm -hmm. very well, yep, who's the owner of uh, of the lake. He's sitting there on an island, really, with a license and FM, and looking around, going, "Who? Like, would there be? There'd probably be suitors for his station, I would imagine." I would imagine so, yeah. I mean, I don't have any inside knowledge or any secrets. I mean, it's you and I sitting on the outside uh, trying to predict who's going to change the game or win the game, right? Right. In this size of a market, it's that's where I think there's the biggest impact of this because we have fewer than eight radio stations here. But I do think it'll be interesting based on the fact that if you're a you know, corporate entity, whether it be Stingray, whether it be uh, Bell or anybody else, I do think you're thinking, okay, if we have three channels, you know, that's just more offering for your salespeople. That's just a better coverage of the market. So it just makes more sense. And and you can obviously get that into the fold. Um, there's efficiencies with that. So it, it but, just makes sense that Paul's probably having a lot of coffees and suppers and lunches these <laughs> days with people. Not at his expense. But the, uh, I think, you know, it, it's... What radio has been doing over the last 10, 15 years is finding efficiencies uh, as, as, you know, that's what they say, 
when you're working within it. And when you, in this scenario, if you were to bring in a third music station, and you're, you have efficiencies in personnel that can cross-pollinate on the formats. And the listener, I think, is used to that now, given the proliferation since the 90s of satellite radio, where you'll have the same voice on multiple channels. Right. So I, it, you know, I don't know where it's going. I, I, I mean, I'm still a consumer of radio, both as a business and as a consumer. Um, I listen to it in my car and all that. It's just that it is changing and the content is changing. And I, for me, it's still, when I listen to music radio, it's what goes on between the records mm-hmm. that, that I listen for. You know, uh, I, I dial hop as soon as somebody's not talking. So, and that's just from being a program director when you had to lead and coach the people on the air. Now, uh, while we stay with with radio, we'll take a break in a a bit here. But uh, what I'm thinking about is you must, I mean, all that Canadian content. Um, What were some artists that were just, just, you know, the, the Brian Adams of the world? What, what other Canadian artists can you think of that were like, say, top five Canadian artists? Like, could you name them? the weekend really oh man he took the world by storm that was toward the latter part of my career as a program director he just took over and there was a time we would play a song by the weekend on easy rock and then four or five songs later michael jackson would come on and my boss would say to me why are we playing two michael jackson records like it's oh, he okay. just sounded and well he's done the Super Bowl he's you know like I mean he really came out of nowhere and he took it over other big Canadian artists I don't think that I think would have got airplay whether there was Canadian content rules or not which is kind of I think what you're asking mm-hmm. would have been the guess who mm-hmm. you know we hear those songs over and over on gold radio stations and I think that's what owners were hoping would come out of this is that there would be a recognition that you know if you're an oldies radio station or classic rock or classic station we have two of those in the market three um that maybe the requirement of canadian content would be a little bit less because there's just not the catalog of product to play on the radio if you are in that format versus if you're virgin radio which is top 40 it's all it's driven by new music so and there's tons of new Canadian artists coming out, because that's another thing that came out of this. They want 5% of what you're playing to be from emerging Canadian artists. Wow. And they have to put a definition on that yet, and emerging artist I know is considered that for two years. So if you were an artist and you released a record tomorrow, or a song, sorry, I know they're not records anymore, but um, they would consider you an emerging artist for two years. What's an EP? Extended play. Oh, okay. Thank you. Because my, my son asked me that the other day, and I said, you know, that's a, I could have Googled it, but I just a piece knew. of vinyl. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll talk more music in a bit, but uh, take a quick break uh, with Mark Burley, Executive Director of Downtown Kelowna Association. Uh, if you want more local talk, then you are in the right place. From 6 a.m. to midnight every day, we talk about local issues with local people, about the stuff that matters. That is Kelowna Now. Uh, D6 Print Studio, large format printers, bunch of downtown merchants I know are using D6, and uh, they love it. They put signs up about willy-nilly stuff, even about 
new radio stations that are coming online, I'm sure. Uh, Pereira is uh, a new jewelry merchant on Tut Street, and they are offering lots of different engagement rings. Maybe get down on one knee, maybe buy a ring, maybe make uh, make some commitments. Hey, how's that sound? Uh, that's with Pereira.com. All right, back in a bit with more Mark Burley. Okay, we're back. Uh, let's talk about um, the the on-call team. Um, how much time is that taking up in your day? Well, we have a new uh, guy leading those teams. Brent Lobson joined us from M Park as our director of operations, and he's now managing the downtown on-call and clean teams, our on-street services department. Um, it takes a lot of both of our time. Uh, more in conversation for me than day-to-day practice or things. This past year, it's been really busy for me and my involvement with them and the on-street services because Ron being um, had some health issues over the years, so I wasn't in the office all the time. So, you know, it was different for me that I had to spend that much time with, with uh, the on-street guys. You know, I have nothing but admiration for both of those teams. And, the, and, and, and let's back it up a bit for people that are, are listening. Tell them, again, there, there's a differentiation there. And, and yeah. I think this is part of some of the issues, I guess, is that the on-call team... The red shirts. The red shirts. Um, and I still can't keep thinking about Star Trek. But anyway, <laughs> um, but I, I know that they're, they're not meant to actively engage. They're not... They're there to, you know, provide a presence and a profile and and talk to people. Really, mm-hmm. uh, like it's it's really about de-escalation, if nothing oh, else. One hundred percent. Yeah, and and I think people get that mixed up. Like I, I think they're thinking they're walking around with tasers and and handcuffs <laughs> and stuff, and and they're really not though. And and nor should they be asked to because that's best left to our good friends, the RCMP. Yeah, you know they um, there is a stat. Um, that, that I have, and that's for every 100 dock incidents or calls that we do. Dock is downtown on call, and that's just an acronym. Um, we only find it necessary for us to call the RCMP 12 times. So 12% of the time, we need the assistance of the RCMP. But that comes out of what you were talking about de escalation. It comes out of the relationships that the guys on the team have been able to build with the people that do, unfortunately, have to live on the streets. Now, that's not to say there aren't that segment that we read about and hear about all the time, the repeat offenders and those kind. That's a whole different kettle of fish. This is, you know, the people who sleep in the doorways because they want to be sheltered and they want to be warm. Um, you know, a team of our guys will go by and say, you know, hey, Rick, you got to get up, move on. It's in the morning. And they will say, you know, okay, Mark, uh, can you give me 10 minutes? I got to put my stuff together. And they do that and they move on. That's the majority. What we see public facing are the ones that create a little bit more of an issue, yelling, screaming, uh, yelling at you because they didn't, you didn't put money in the guitar case when you walked by. Um, and then there's the segment that are always living now have moved from Leon 200 to the 400 block up near interior health. So the downtown on call guys have 42 square blocks that they patrol. Amazing. And 
we're short-staffed. So I've had the same six guys for the last six months, five of which have been with us for over two years. And so they know the usual suspects. They know the people that they're going to have to ask for assistance from the police with. Um, they know the police. They know the, you know, the community safety unit, um, which, which you now uh, you'll notice if you see an RCMP cruiser um, anywhere in the city, and on the back door it has a red CSU. That's our community safety unit officers. And the great thing is our guys know that that's them, because the police know downtown on call because they're wearing red. Right. So you know the things that they deal with. Uh, Every day are just things that are better not better off sometimes not being mentioned, and that would be even more so with the blue shirts, the clean team. There was a change, uh, and it was right around the old election cycle that we had um, prolific offenders, and it was, and this was brought up in the Commons and uh, about how we're we're going to look at um, really trying to get those people incarcerated that are creating most of the issues for uh, downtowns and homeless and, you know, mm-hmm. which is, and I'm not just talking about Kelowna, I'm talking about Vernon, Penticton. You know, every community has its own set of yep. problems. But it seems like we have to continue to deal with the same offenders over and over and over again. And you know this because you see the the incident reports and you keep seeing probably a name happen over and over and over again. At some point, we have to address that because it's taking the bulk of the resources. Well, yeah, but I think the caveat that really has to be said is prolific offenders that we're all experiencing and have trouble with, even particularly in downtown, um, aren't necessarily homeless people. No. You know, we had our offices broken into twice last year. Um, We... The person who did it was arrested. He was caught on camera. Um, We were pretty sure now in hindsight that we had thought that he had broken into another office down the hallway through the window. We're pretty sure he got in the same way, and it was the same guy who came in through the roof. So probably four times we were broken into. That person is not homeless. He's a prolific offender. He His job is breaking into homes and businesses and stealing stuff. So I think that has to be said. Mm -hmm. And there are a certain number of homeless people who have mental health issues who are also prolific offenders. And that's where the lines get blurred. Who wears that responsibility? Is that responsibility with the police and the court system, community court, or is that issue better dealt with by interior health and the mental health side? So that's where the lines get blurred. Is this, like in, in your eyes, are you seeing um, a change for the for the better or are we, is the population around the same that, that you're seeing and that you're noticing and that you're experiencing? Well, you know, Darren Call's even on record saying there's more, uh, you know, more than there ever has been. Uh, who knows where we're going to be this time next year? I don't. I mean, you know. Yay for the provincial government announcing another 20 beds. Oh, okay. When? Where? How mm-hmm. long? All those questions haven't been answered. So, the, you know, I don't see where the population is going to change in a number being less. I think that 
you know, in the since 2005 being downtown, I've seen the number grow steadily. So it's just been more noticeable in the last couple of years, particularly when everything was shut down in 2020 because homeless people were the people who were on the streets because the rest of us were at home. Right. Uh, we have a new new mayor. We have new council. Yep. Um, have you had some meetings thus far? Have you had some engagements already? Yeah, I had uh, very graciously, um, Mayor Dias gave me an hour and a half of his time right after he got elected just to sit down and share thoughts and ideas and problems and issues. Um, I thought that was, you know, right when he first got in, I mean, wow, Mm -hmm. that was great. But I also have known Tom for uh, a little while. Uh, You know, uh, DK deals with his business, and I knew him prior to that. Plus, I was on the Memorial Cup Committee. Um, Okay. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, Rick Weber is now our um, representative with our board of directors, we always have, just like Herba does, they have a member of council that uh, sits in the meetings. and uh, So, yeah, it's a different. Anytime there's a government change, it'll be different. And, uh, yeah, we'll just see where things go from there. Okay, okay. Well said, sir. Well said. Um, let's, let's talk about your day because, uh, again, you, you kind of mentioned uh, the amount of city blocks that you're that are under your periphery, but what would be, what would be a typical day for for Mark Burley, at executive director of, of downtown Kelowna? Like, what what do you, how are you? Are you facilitating staff? Are you like give people an idea of of what what takes your day up? Well, you know, there's a bunch of different things that take my day up. Most of them are always planning, um, some problem solving, lots of time on the phone, lots of time on email. And lots of meetings. Um, I really, right now, you know, it depends on the time of the year, too. So right now, it's budget time. So here I am with Excel spreadsheets up on my computer screens and changing numbers and getting that ready to go in. Uh, We just came out of uh, our year end is the end of December. So we're wrapping up that, which we need to wrap up before we can finish the budget that we have ready for this year. Um, the next few months of my time will be taken up with uh, putting together the renewal of our charter, which we renew every five years. So, you know, and I meet regularly with, you know, uh, Brent about on-street services. Uh, you know, Brent's only been taken over that since the beginning of December. He's been in the office since October. But, uh, you know, working with him, and we have a meeting coming up later today with the staff on that. Um, I have excellent over-the-top great events communications guy and Chris who puts together all of our um, like block party the show and shine works with impact on winter street markets um, and does our after fives and any other promotions go along Um, brought in uh, we lost our old marketing manager Veronica to end of the role yeah I know darn it darn that guy, Mark Basie, who runs that place, you know, and I used to work with him, and he's, no. Yeah, we, uh, we had, Mark and I had lunch. It was great to catch up. But um, the uh, uh, Facundo Rodriguez came to join us, and he's an SEO specialist, marketing specialist, has done some great work getting us grants from Google for advertising mm. uh, because we're a not-for-profit. And he's busy right now visiting downtown businesses who reach out to sit down and go through 
how to market using social media and search engine optimization and that kind of thing. And then uh, I have an administrative assistant who's part-time, Liz, and she does a fabulous job with figures and numbers and keeping me on the straight and narrow where I'm going every day. So do you, I, I know your day is, is packed because I know you and I chat oftentimes after five, but do you get a chance to connect very often with, with merchants, like with downtown people? Like do you, do they pop into the office? I don't even know. Yeah, you know, Chris does a lot more of that now. Um, but, you know, I am, now that four, over four years into it, there's a lot of the businesses know me to see me. They see my face on the burly blurb that goes out on our membership update. Um, and uh, phone calls, people dropping in. Yeah, no problem. I talk to whoever I can, whenever I can. You know, just like you, just like everybody else, sometimes somebody will come in when my door is closed because I'm on yet another Zoom call. I'm also a member of the Board of Directors for BIABC, which is the umbrella organization for all business improvement areas. Um, so that takes up a little bit of my time a couple of times a month. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a really great job. And the great thing is I've been downtown since 2005, so... Not only city councilors and businesses, but just people downtown know me to see me and stop me on the street and talk. A um, couple last questions. One is you have uh, you've seen merchants come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are, are some attributes of, of merchants that you feel like as soon as you see them set up shop, you're like, they're going to do a good job. And, and it's just and again, you've seen enough of them to know. But to give you an example, you have a sense of, of their purpose, of, of their offerings, mm-hmm. um, their name. Like, give me, give me some attributes of merchants that you've seen that just do a phenomenal job. Um, well, I've always thought that, uh, and using a mall reference, like, you know, that Mosaic Books is the anchor of Bernard. It's right in the middle. It's been there forever. Uh, it's a really nice looking place to see. Um, so, uh, you know, I, any place that is bright, well lit, looks like it has lots going on, that's always going to be a success. I really thought when DeVille Coffee opened up across, that was a great replacement for a Starbucks. And, you know, Jenna does a great job with her staff in there. They're very friendly. It's open. It's fresh. Um, I, you know, I thought that was a really great addition to downtown. Um, I think too, though, to your point, it's evolving. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of different kind of businesses setting up shop in downtown and that they will, it'll look different in five years than it does right now. Who would have thought that a store that sells running shoes for over $2,000 was going to be a super success. Yeah. Now we have two of them. Oh, and, and I, I went into uh, that retro shirt place. Yeah. Uh, and I was going through there, and I'm like, man, like, I just, you know, I gave away a lot of this stuff back in the 80s, but it's coming back. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that whole pendulum swing. We have Lost Together down just below my office on Bernard that's all, you know, uh, close from the 70s, 80s, 90s 
early 2000s. You can go in there and, you know, buy a shirt that looks cool. I have a few of those shirts in my closet, you know, like. <laughs> Who knew you were that cool? <laughs> yeah, they, they became cool again. I even have a two-tone pair of blue jeans with flared that I'm waiting to come back in. No, I'm just kidding. But they, it's, it just seems to me it's evolving so quickly. We have a store in Ellis called Oh Baby, and it's consignment with baby clothes. So, you know, for example, I have three grandsons. Well, when we got to the last one, you know, where was Heather going to do with all those baby clothes? You know, uh, that's a great place to take them because uh, they, they sell them. And, it, and, of course, the price point's less than buying something brand new. It's great. You know, sh- they set up the store because they started that business in the pandemic at home. And they outgrew their garage and downstairs and whatever mm-hmm. rooms, and it's still going on. I know there's probably been a couple of times they've been worried. They set up at Winter Street Market, had a great booth there. You know, you go further down, Alice, and a store like Hi Fi Attic has been there for years, and all of a sudden they start building all these buildings around it, and people are not only downsizing their home, they're downsizing their hi fi and their television equipment and sound equipment, and they're right there. Yeah. You know, so it's it's kind of cool to see maybe, you know, the guys at Hi-Fi Attic weren't as busy two years ago, but are now, you know, like they were commenting on that when I was in there buying a turntable. So. <laughs> what what turntable did you buy? Uh, it's an Emperor, it's called. Okay. Yeah. And what speakers do you have in, in Amp? Oh, I want to say Canos 4s. They're okay. amplified speakers. So I just have the two speakers, the turntable, and the sub. Amp speakers, really? Yeah. I didn't know there was such a thing. It has Bluetooth in it, too. So if you want to run Spotify off your phone while you have company, you can do that. So you have a turntable with the amp speakers, and that's all you need? Yep. Come on. No. Okay. It's really nice. I didn't know that. Um, okay, what's, uh, what's currently playing on Mark Burley's uh, turntable right now? We keep going back to Tapestry. We play it, Carol King's album, over and over again. Really? Uh, yep. Um, you know, if that's one. For me, I'll, I'll still listen to Live at the Forum, 1969 by Three Dog Night. It's still, I know, you know, the part when they say, what, you can't hear us back there? See, you should have bought the 550 tickets in the front. I just think that's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, some super tramp stuff. But, you know, Janet's a big fan of Barry Manilow, always has been. And... She had all their albums, which are in there. But the kids brought us, um, uh, Ryan found it somewhere, an old Barry Manilow live album. And we play it because there's one cut on there where he plays all of the advertising jingles that he wrote over the years. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it's yeah, that's what's on the turntable for us now. Our go-to record tour, Heart Live at Royal Albert Hall back in... Uh, I want to say 2013. Mm. Uh, went and saw Nancy Wilson and Sticks at Prospera Place back a couple months ago. That was great. So, the the album that uh, somebody just started playing at a at a house I was at was uh, Born in the USA with Bruce Bruce Springsteen. I forgot how great that album was. Yeah, I've never been a big Springsteen fan. For you know, I went to a concert of his at Sky Dome years ago when I was doing a morning show in Kitchener. And I wasn't overly thrilled with the concert. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, I don't know why. It was okay. just the way it was. But, you know, everybody has their thing. Now, though, all these years later, 
I probably sit there and listen to that and a Bob Seger album, which would 25 years ago I would never would have. Oh yeah, no, our musical tastes I think really do change, and and I'm the same as you. I didn't really respect some great songwriters as far as getting into the yeah. depth of the lyrics, and then all of a sudden you start listening to the words, and and they're profoundly moving if you listen to them mm-hmm. versus you know 20s and 30s. We don't even know who we are or what we're supposed to be doing on this earth. And then all of a sudden, you hit a song as a 50-year-old, and you go, that hit me right between the eyes. And I love that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think that's why we keep listening to Tapestry, because Carol King was such a great lyricist. She wrote for many people. Many people, uh, I Feel the Earth Move is on that, and that was an Aretha Franklin song, and she mm-hmm. made a bigger hit of it than Carol King did from the album, right? And it, it's just like... Yeah, so far away and you know all those you're so vain like all the, oh, yeah. those songs um that she wrote uh, are you know they're 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 just caught in time and they're they're timeless i guess is you know they say time is the only commodity we have that we eventually run out of so these albums they'll long last me being on the face of this earth because the music was just that good and you know we have we have a quite a collection of sticks from you know over the years that I had when they're new. I was a you know went out and did dances as a disc jockey when I was in my late teens and early twenties. I still have all that stuff. Did you have the voice, the uh, disc jockey voice? Stacks of work, ten feet tall, wall to wall. We got them all. <laughs> Mark Burley, always a pleasure. Uh, we should shut her down. Thanks again for coming on the show, and uh, we'll see you soon. It's always a pleasure. Thanks.